Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. We are a family on a journey to become more like Christ, sharing His kingdom by expressing His love. We hope that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. I want to share a word with you today that is, is still very much in line with the theme that we've been speaking on. And I'm going to springboard off Pastor Andreas's message last week on faith. And the title of my message, if you're taking notes today, is Staying Centered in Faith. Staying Centered in Faith. Now, Pastor Andreas spoke to us last week about faith, and that is good. And it's a, it's a, it's a subject that should encourage us. It should excite us. But one thing we very seldom hear when the subject of faith is taught is that faith is tested. Faith needs to be tested to be proven. And I want to say to you that this past week, I've had to encourage numerous people in their faith, in their faith walk. Um, numerous people, not sort of one and two. It's just been a week where I've had a lot of conversations um, where I've needed to encourage people and, and remind them and speak the word of God into them and bring them back to a place of seeing things from God's perspective. And I want to say to you that this is in no way an indictment on any one of those people. I need that sometimes. Sometimes I can do it for myself. Sometimes I have to go to other people and say, can I just share my heart with you because I'm struggling this and I know my thinking isn't right, but I need some help. Can you, can you help me? But the point I'm wanting to make to you is that all of our faith will be tested. Sometimes in, in large ways, otherwise through time, but it's a reality and none of us is immune to it. You know, even Jesus, when he was speaking to Peter, uh, Luke 22, 31, it says, the Lord said, Simon, Simon, Simon Peter was his name. Indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. And there's this, this thought that Jesus says, you know, Satan is asking for you. He's after you. But I have prayed. And it's interesting here that he didn't pray that Satan would be defeated. He didn't pray, you know, the kingdom. He didn't cast it out. All he said, he allowed the testing to go through. He allowed the testing to take place. Jesus wasn't against that. Why? Because it was through that testing that Peter's faith would be established, that it would be that it would come through and shine as pure gold. Let me ask you this. What is the point of a test? You know, if, even if you think of going through school or university, we have periods where you have tests. So there's teaching and then they test. And the purpose of a test is not to see what you know. It's not to see where you are strong. The purpose of a test is to reveal the areas where you are weak. Why? So that you can identify them, so that you can work on them, so that you can do something about them. And I want to say that this happens to us in the area of our faith. Our faith is tested so that if, if you think of a, a piece of metal, when you put it into all that, when they used to make swords and put it into the hot fire, that sword would come out glowing bright red. And when it's glowing bright red, you can spot the infirmities within that wood. You can spot the dark places that need to be hammered out the impurities that need to come out of that metal. And although it is true that faith brings what is unseen in the spiritual realm into the natural realm, what I want to say to you today is that in essence, 
it taps into what is real and true in the spirit and makes that a reality in our lives. Why is that important? Why is that distinction important? Well, because this applies to so much more than getting stuff. This is about the reality of everything we have inherited in Jesus Christ. If I can really just bring it right back to the nuts and bolts of it, this means that our faith defines not what we get or what we have. Our faith defines who we are. And that is key. That is really important. You see, if we talk about faith, yes, faith is the means through which we, we tap into the heavenly things and make them a reality. But very often, I think our thinking goes to external things. It goes to provision or it goes to healing, very natural things. The greatest transformation that takes place through faith is the transformation of your soul. It's the transformation of your heart. It positions you in a place of blessing, love, and strength in the midst of what you are going through. It positions you in a mindset of conquering, of victory, and of healing, and of grace in the midst of trying circumstances, whatever they may be. Faith is the anchor for our souls. Faith defines how and determines how we go about life, what we pursue. It's, it's, it's the reason, it's the why. And this is, I want to say that in this area is the primary place that our faith will be tested. The devil is after you to sift you as wheat. In what way? He wants to challenge your identity. He wants to challenge your identity. And he wants to challenge what you believe you're called to do. Those are the primary areas that the devil will resist you. You could say he can resist you through through sickness. He can resist you through a lack or through through various means. But at the end of the day, all of those avenues come back to this one place of personal identity and personal destiny. When those things are under attack, when we question ourselves, we struggle to believe God for anything. But when those areas of our hearts are strongly established, victory is inevitable because we are not the defeated we are not the poor we are not the sick or the infirmed but we are the whole we are the prosperous we are the blessed we are the victorious because we are the sons and daughters of most high god we are the fullness of christ jesus i want to read to you a portion of scripture if you turn there with me in your bibles i'm reading from first peter book of first peter his first letter chapter one verses three to seven and i want to read from the new living translation so if you have a digital bible it'd be easy for you to switch over to the new living translation but peter is encouraging he gives some opening remarks in his letter and then he goes on to say the following one peter one three to seven all praise to god the father of our lord jesus christ it is by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled beyond the reach of change and decay. So he starts off by reaffirming identity here. We are born again. And we have a rich inheritance in Christ Jesus. And then he goes on to say, and through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive the salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. 
So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. Isn't that incredible? Peter doesn't deny the trials. He doesn't deny the circumstances that we're in, but he says, be truly glad. Deep down inside you, be glad. Why? Because there's a wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure these trials. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring much praise and glory and honor on the day that Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Isn't that a beautiful portion of scripture? Peter is encouraging the church and he's saying, continue in your faith. Your faith is all the tests you are going through. The struggles you are facing is proving your faith. And sometimes, folks, like I said to you, sometimes our faith takes a wobble. Sometimes our faith struggles. Sometimes we question. Sometimes we, we waver. Sometimes we falter. Sometimes the circumstances around us become overwhelming. And it's in those times that we need to learn to continually recenter ourselves, not in what's going on around us, not in what the world around us says, but recenter ourselves in our faith in this relationship with jesus and my encouragement to you today to each and every one of you is this keep the faith for god is working in the midst of what you are going through keep the faith for god is working in the midst of what you are going through because he is god and because we are his kids and he loves us and romans 8 tells us that always oh, it philippians 4. in the bible it says that all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And so I can keep the faith when I believe that what I'm going through, God is able to use it for my benefit, to grow me, to strengthen my faith, to, to, to develop my character, to make me more like him. The way that we keep the faith strong, folks, is by remaining faithful. That word says it all. Faithful means full of faith, faithful to God's character, faithful to God's promises, regardless of our circumstances. In other words, I choose to believe my God is good even when I'm not seeing it, even when I'm not understanding what's going on. I choose to believe my God loves me. I choose to believe what he says about me. I make the choice. Folks, that is the only difference between faith and unbelief. Faith believes what God says. Unbelief does not trust what God says. It believes only what it sees and feels. When you're understanding and, and, and your experience guides your thoughts and guides your faith, that's unbelief. But when the word of God, what he says about me and what he says over my situation and his promises, when those are what guide my heart, guide my affection and my devotion, that is faith. And I want to remind you of Jacob of the Bible. Jacob is such a wonderful example of this. Uh, and he's a wonderful example of what faithfulness looks like in the midst of difficulties and setbacks. He remained faithful because he was full of faith. And I'm not going to go to any scriptures to share the story, but I'll, I'll work through the story with you. You think about Joseph. He was born <coughs> last favored son. And uh, sorry, not the last favorite son, but he was the favored son. And he was sold into slavery by his brothers. But in the midst of that, God was working. 
towards later on when he's reunited with his brothers, he says to them, it wasn't you who sold me out into slavery. It was God. God had a plan in this. And so he became a slave and his faithfulness led to him becoming the head of Potiphar's house. He was head over all his affairs. And then later on, <coughs> because he stayed faithful to his convictions and would not sleep with Potiphar's wife, he got put into jail. But God was working. You see, jail was his transitional season. Jail was his avenue to an even higher office. His faithfulness in jail led to him being placed in charge of all the prisoners. He was basically running the jail on behalf of the guards. And then he interpreted the dreams of two inmates. Who do you think gave them those dreams? You see, God was working in the midst of Jacob's situation, Joseph's situation. Later on, Pharaoh has a dream. Again, God working in the midst of what he is going through. Joseph is sitting in jail. He's in prison. His environment, his world was those walls. That environment, that was all he had access to. But yet outside of where he was geographically, outside where he was probably even thinking God was working and preparing something for him. And as we know, Joseph eventually interprets Pharaoh's dream and becomes second in command in the whole entire land. For seven years, Joseph went from prison to overseeing the largest gathering, the largest coming together of resources ever recorded in history to that point. In fact, the Bible says that during those seven years of plenty, they, 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 they kept records of the grain and they eventually had so much that they could no longer record how much they had. There was just such they, they lost records. They couldn't keep track of how much was brought in. And we know after that, there were seven years of famine. And under Joseph's watchful, watchful eye, Egypt began selling off their grain, not only to its citizens, but also to other countries. Other nations would come and buy grain from Egypt. And this is how Jacob was reunited with his brothers and with his father. I'm not going to go into all that story. But through all of that, Jacob was given and his family, the people of Israel, the nation of Israel was given prime land in Egypt, the best land, the most fertile land. And, and like I said to you, the Egyptians grew really wealthy during this period. Why? Because God was working. We think that that's kind of the end of Joseph's story, but really it's not. Because under his watchful eye, Egypt grew exceedingly wealthy. They took the wealth from all the nations around them who were now in poverty just so that they could buy their sustenance. But let me ask you this. Who do you think that wealth was intended for? The Egyptians? <laughs> no, because God was working in the midst of it. A few years later, that wealth walked out of Egypt and through the Red Sea with the people of Israel. They left with the wealth of the nations. Why? Because in their slavery and in the midst of what they were going through, God was preparing the promise. God was preparing the fulfillment of his word. And I want to say to you today, in your life, in the season you are in, God is preparing you and he is preparing his promises for you to enter into them. They are yours. They belong to you in Christ Jesus. But there are elements of your faith that need to be honed, matured, grow, strengthened, that you are able to lay hold of them and enter into them. There are areas of your character that need to be tested and developed and grown so that when the, you enter into the promises, you can sustain them and not squander and lose them. These times and these seasons that we are in are times to take heart, are times to stay in the faith and keep the faith 
because God is working. God is working. You see, throughout his trials, Jacob remained full of faith. He remained faithful. Where God placed him, he was faithful. Wherever God put him, he didn't sulk, he didn't moan, he didn't whine. He was faithful. He gave, he served. He served faithfully in Potiphar's house. He served faithfully in prison. He served faithfully Pharaoh. He remained faithful. And, you know, these are the examples that we have. This is the example that the Bible sets out for us. And I want to read to you from Hebrews chapter 11 today. And I encourage you once again, go there in your own Bible. I don't normally read such a long portion of scripture in a, in a, in a sermon. And I might jump around a little. But I want us to read this portion of scripture together. It talks about the patriarchs of faith. It talks about those who received and inherited the promises of God through their faith. But there is not a single person in this list who achieved that and accomplished that and walked into that without trial, without struggle. Who just came upon every one of them had their own personal battles to fight. And sometimes some of these people had battles to fight on behalf of others, including you and me. Let's read what it says. Hebrews chapter 11. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made with things that are visible. Isn't that incredible? So God created everything you and I see by faith through the words that he spoke. And likewise, that's how he expects you and I to live. And then he starts going into the patriarchs, those those of old who by faith inherited their promises. Verse four, by faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent offering. Verse five, by faith, Enoch was taken away so that it did not see death and was not found because God had taken him before he was taken. He had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is or that he exists and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear and prepared an ark. Verse 8, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called. Verse 9, by faith, he dwelt in the land of promises as in a foreign country. Verse 11, by faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. And she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Verse 13, all these died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them. Isn't that incredible? That is what faith is. It's an assurance deep inside that because God said it, it is so. They embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Let's move on. Verse 17. And I want you to notice the repetition in this. By faith, Abraham, when he was tempted, uh, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau. By faith, verse 21, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of his sons, each of the sons of Joseph. 22, by faith, Joseph, he made mention of the departure of the children of Israel. So even Joseph, who we just spoke about, when he was still in Egypt, because he died in Egypt, 
when Joseph was still in Egypt, he saw the promise that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who became Israel, of whom Joseph was one of his sons, he saw the promise. And he saw that Egypt was not going to be their eternal home or their eternal resting place. And he, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. Again, 23, by faith, Moses. 24, by faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called one of Pharaoh, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people than enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. 27, by faith, he forsook Egypt. 28, by faith, he kept the Passover. 29, by faith, they passed through the Red Sea on dry land. Are you tired yet? I'm not. Verse 30, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. 31, by faith, the harlot Rahab carried on. And verse 32, and what more can I say? For time would fail me to tell you about these other people, about Gideon, about Barak, about Samson, about Jephthah. Also, doubt David and Samuel and the prophets who, through faith, subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to fight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life. Oh, then it goes on. And I want to say this to you. Verse 39, and all these having obtained a good testimony through faith did not receive the promise. God having provided something better for us that they should not be made perfect apart from us. You see, you and I are a part of this great plan. Therefore, I want to go straight into chapter number 12 and say to you, my brother and my sister today, therefore, in other words, because of everything we've just read, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, you know, you and I are in the arena of life and in the stands are these people who have established these things in faith and they are cheering you on. And we are created by such a, we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Let us therefore lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of God. Folks, the final verse gives us the key. How do we remain centered in faith when all around us is vying for our attention, trying to pull us down? Looking unto Jesus. He is not just the author of our faith, but he is the perfecter of our faith. He is the sustainer of our faith. He is the finisher of our faith. This is present continuous tense. It's not I just looked to Jesus and I got saved and now it's okay. I continually look to Jesus. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith does not come by having heard. Faith comes from this continual conversation. Faith comes from this continual hearing in my heart, the word of God, saying, you are my beloved child, and in you I am well pleased. Hearing the promises, hearing his blessing over my life. Because John 10, 17, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. They follow me. Folks, I want to say to you today, faith comes from somewhere. 
It's not something we birth or we just conjure up. Faith is rooted in our revelation of Jesus Christ. He is the one that defines our lives. He is the one that has set in place for all eternity who we are as we are born again in him. And in some ways, faith lays hold of us rather than us laying hold of it. What do I mean by that? It changes who we are. When we believe the words of Jesus, something happens to us where we become transformed. It's almost as though faith lays hold of us rather than we trying to grope and, 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 and lay hold of faith. All we need to lay hold of is the truth of what Jesus says, the truth of what God has spoken, and follow him. Follow it. Follow it. I can't say <laughs> follow it. Not just hear the word of God. Follow it. Not just hear what Jesus says, follow him. Believe that it is so and act accordingly. This is what makes you and I new creations. I want to leave you with this exhortation today. And it actually comes out of the Old Testament. It comes out of the, the prophet Isaiah's book. And I'm going to read to you from chapter 40, verse 28 to 31. The prophet Isaiah speaking to a people, his, the, the people of God, the nation of Israel. And I want to say these words over you today. I want to remind you of the greatness of who our God is. I want to remind you of the faith that you have that is worth, that is worth a feeding, that is worth a perseverance. And the scripture says this, have you not known, have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary and young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. What does it mean to wait on the Lord, folks? What does it mean? It means to orientate your expectation towards him. It means to remain faithful, full of faith, knowing that, God, you are working in the midst of what I'm going through for my blessing and for my regard. And I might see that breakthrough in this life. I might see that breakthrough in the next life. My breakthrough might not even be for me. It might be for my children or my children's children. But I believe that you are good and I believe that you are working in the midst of what I am going through. I orientate all my expectation towards you, that you are the way, the truth, and the life. You are the answer and you contain the answer in my situation. It means to orientate all my expectation towards him. But it also means something else. To wait on the Lord also means to serve him. You know, if you go to a restaurant, there is somebody who is allocated to wait on you. To take care of your needs. To serve you. Folks, focusing on your own life, focusing on your own well-being, let's be honest, it's draining. It's draining. It's tiresome. But when you and I focus on what God is saying to us when we focus on waiting on God, on serving God, on doing what it is that he says, you will find that to be both fulfilling and remarkably energizing. <laughs> Instead of draining you, 
It adds strength and it adds vitality to you. My friends, I want to say to you today, in the midst of all we're going through, keep the faith. Keep the faith because God is working. You may not see it. You may not feel it. But God is at work. Get hold of his promises. Remind yourself of the things that he has said about you. Remind yourself of his promises to you that he wants to, to bring about and to bring, make a reality in your life and press into them. Let's pray for a moment. Father God, I want to thank you, Lord, for the greatness of who you are today. Thank you for reminding us that you are the God who created the heavens and the earth. We are here by your design on purpose. We are not an accident. And Lord, I want to thank you that in the midst of what's going on around us, in the midst of the turmoil in our own hearts, you are Lord, you are God, and you are working for our betterment, for our growth. You are honing our character that we may lay hold of more Christ-likeness, that we may walk in greater levels of anointing and authority and blessing. You are teaching us, Lord God, and, and, and refining our faith that we may believe you not only for ourselves, but for far greater things than just our own well-being. Lord Jesus, today, over all of the things I've shared, I just want to say, Lord, we trust you. We trust you, Father. We trust that you are good. We trust, Lord God, in your promises. We trust in your nature. We trust in your faithfulness. And I pray, Lord God, as we go through this week, Lord, that you would help us, each one, to recenter ourselves again and again as our faith may wander, as our expectations may change, as things come at us and assail our hearts and minds. Lord Jesus, we determine we will stay the course. We will lay aside every weight that so easily and the sin that so easily ensnares us and run with perseverance the race that you have set before us for your glory and for your kingdom's sake. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your Holy Spirit working in us and with us in this regard. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.